1: Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We appreciate you joining us today. It's June 17, 2016. We're visiting with Tom Florence, President CEO of 361 Capital, exclusively focused on alternative investments. Tom, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio.
2: Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate you having me on the show.
1: So, Tom, I've got to begin by bragging a little bit. Uh, my wife and I's 16th grandchild showed up about four or five hours ago, healthy and strong and well. He and Mom are doing well, and uh, so we are super excited. Little Theo James Garner has joined the right clan.
2: Wow, what a great way to start Father's Day weekend. It
1: is, it is. It can't get any better. He's our 16th uh, grandchild, our 12th grandson. So we are uh, definitely uh, accepting contributions to college funds for the Wright clan here, no question about it. So, Tom, let's uh, talk about you. You're the man you uh, were the managing director of Morningstar for many years. You've had a 30-plus year storied career in the world of investments. Why don't you briefly describe your career for us?
2: Sure, Charlie. I started uh, as an advisor with Merrill Lynch uh, out of uh, Penn State University in, in 1985, and and then uh, after. A, Career with Merrill Lynch, I moved to Fidelity Investments and really gained a, a, an appreciation for working with investment advisors after having leave, after having been one. And you know that led me to Morningstar, and, and it was a very uh, interesting experience at Morningstar and a good experience. Uh, I got to uh, I had the privilege of working for the founder, Joe Mansueto. I was on the executive management committee at Morningstar and. Really, I think the thing that I contributed most to Morningstar while I was there was to get them in the asset management business. Morningstar Investment Services was created, and that was a an idea that I had and presented it to Joe, and um, today they manage many, many billions of dollars for advisors and advisor clients, and um, I did a few other things while at Morningstar, but that was probably the, the most fun one hey. thing that I did.
1: Well, congratulations, Tom. That, that has got to feel good. So tell us about 361 Capital.
2: 361 Capital, I think you said it in the opening. We're, we're very focused on alternative investments. In fact, it's all we do today. And I think the... The thing about alternative investments is, you know, they really belong in most investors' portfolio, and that could be uh, managed futures or more than likely long short equity. But they're very um, interesting investments that uh, provide diversification, and they provide a ret- potential return enhancement to, to any portfolio. And what's great about what we do at Sixty One is we put them in a mutual fund wrapper. Um, You know, over the last 30 years, you've seen uh, alternative investments mostly be wrapped in a hedge fund wrapper. And we saw what happened uh, post-Bernie Madoff, the challenges that hedge funds can have. And you you don't have that, those same challenges in a 40-act mutual fund because it's a registered fund. Um, They're transparent. Um, There's a lot more that goes into really the the, um, omission of let's say, um, I would say challenges and, and omission of fraud risk that you would have in, in, let's say, a hedge fund and that we've seen in the past. So so that's all that we focus on, and, and they, any investor can buy them no matter, you know, uh, any size. Uh, so we have institutional clients, and we have, uh, you know, smaller uh, individual clients, and we only work with investment advisors uh,
1: you know, Tom, uh, I think I've got to hand it to you for setting up uh, your funds and mutual funds. I know that uh, uh, investors, they're very familiar and comfortable with mutual funds. They have, as you say, transparency, daily liquidity. And if you say this is a mutual fund, automatically they're open to that kind of thing. Even uh, SMAs, uh, investors often are unfamiliar with with separately managed accounts want to know how this works uh... you know how long has this been going on who else does this those kinds of things so just the fact that you do them in mutual funds that was smart i, I saw an article yesterday Tom, that i wanted to bring up very interesting article it was about a survey done by bank of new york Mellon, and they surveyed 400 se- senior executives at institutional investment firms plus fifty hedge fund executives and they found that institutional investors are allocating more and more of their capital to alternative strategies. Now, just think of that. Institutional investors are the smartest of the smartest. These are all professionals, they're from the best schools, they've had great experience. They're uh, they're, they're under a requirement to perform, okay? And they are getting more and more into alternatives, but here's the interesting part. The the, the survey found that it was not as a means of diversifying risk it was in pursuit of stronger returns in such a low interest rate environment is that what you're finding as well
2: yes we are and I think uh, there's a couple points I'll touch on there beginning with the last one and you know hey we're in an environment where investors are you know going to be struggling in the equity markets to to see something in the you know seven percent range and when we you look at where you know interest rates are, you're on a 60-40 portfolio, you know you're talking about something that's in the four or five percent range, so,
1: at best.
2: You know, the, at at
1: best. And and that's taking higher risk. Those are not corporate re- corporate uh, bond returns these days at all.
2: That's right. So I think if you you know if you look if you're looking to add returns or return enhancers, as we call it, to your portfolio, then, you know, you certainly need to be looking at alternatives, and that's uh, that's what they can provide to a portfolio. I, I, I think there's another angle on the institutional piece that's interesting, though, as to what we see and what we're seeing institutions do from uh, Uh, from an alternative investment standpoint, and that is they've been using hedge funds for many years, and and let's use long-short as an example. What they're starting to do is use long-short equity mutual funds. Now, why are they doing that, Charlie? They're doing it because uh, there's not a lot of liquidity in hedge funds. Okay, You have quarterly lockups and quarterly liquidity and different things that prevent you from getting access to your money. So if you're a trustee and you're sitting on a pension fund and you have all your money in long-short equity hedge funds, why wouldn't you take 20% and allocate it to a mutual long-short equity mutual fund that has daily liquidity that you can get access to if you need be should the markets um, really become trouble?
1: Plus, it has lower fees, right?
2: <laughs> and it. And it and it has lower fees.
1: That 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 uh, 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 hedge fund model of two and twenty is probably soon going to become a dinosaur. Uh, investors, especially institutional investors, they're not going to be putting up with that.
2: I, I for, without a question, and I think fees are as we you know we know we're in a much more competitive world today and. Not only are hedge fund fees coming down, but I think mutual fund fees are as well. And, and you know, I'm a big fan of, uh, of, of trying to create products that are in the best interest of investors. And, and let's face it, um, lesser fees mean better returns for investors.
1: So uh, I also saw recently an interview with Jack Bogle, the famed founder of uh, the famous mutual fund. Uh, tell me. Vanguard, <laughs> Vanguard, right? Uh, Vanguard, and uh, he said that he does. He, he's been in the investment business for sixty plus years, uh, six decades, and he said he does not see going forward the kind of returns that he has seen over that sixty-year period of time. What he sees going forward over about the next five to ten years is about a four percent return in the equities market. Now, this is from a guy who says buy and hold into a cheap index fund, and that's how you should invest. And he still believes that, but he says you now have to have very limited expectations because those expectations of 12% per year, as they've been in the past, are not going to be uh, uh, realistic expectations for the future. It's going to be more like 4% per year. Well, these big institutions, they've got to pay out retirees, and 4 percent's not going to cut it. They know that. And for most of us, 4% doesn't cut it either in being able to retire at at some point in our life and live like we'd like to live. So they're looking for these other opportunities. So tell us, uh, let's start with your long-short strategy. Tell us how it works.
2: We have two long-short strategies. Uh, One is a global long-short equity strategy, and one is a domestic long-short equity strategy. And and, and they're pretty simple to explain, which is why... uh, They've, been a, they've done well with investors and, and really they focus on uh, low vol- the low volatility anomaly and really uh, as a big part of that is their approach and their process, which is to go long low beta stocks uh, or low volatility stocks and short high beta or higher volatility stocks. And over time, believe it or not, Charlie, most people wouldn't think this, but low-vol stocks and lower beta stocks have outperformed uh, higher volatility or higher beta beta stocks. So that's what the the approach is of the fund. And last year, uh, the fund, the Global Long Short Equity Fund, was up close to 10%, and as compared to the MSCI World Index, which was down just about 1%.
1: Well congratulations now you guys started i noticed with the global long short fund and uh, most uh, long short funds are domestic only Why did you start with the global
2: We started with the global because of exactly what you said um, you know we try to do be a little we try to be innovative here at three sixty one with what we do and you know if there's a herd and with a lot of long, domestic long-short equity funds, and that's you know there's plenty of choice there. We're going to probably go to the place where there's less choice, and there was much less choice and much less options uh, for people in the global long-short equity strategy or equity world. So we also had a had a long track record uh, in that space. Uh, in an institutional portfolio that goes back almost seven years. So we had a good history there of strong performance in the Global Long Short Equity Fund. So that's why we started with that. But, of course, once you start with something and people like it, they say, do you have the domestic version? So we had advisor clients uh, ask us for a domestic version, which is why we launched that about three months ago.
1: Okay. And so tell us, is the fund net long or net short? Let's focus on the, the global.
2: So the global is um, tries to keep pretty much of a static beta target of about 0.5, and it's 70% net long.
1: Okay, 70% net long of 0.5. And the reason
2: why, yeah, the reason, it's an interesting, why is it 70% net long? But Tom, you tell me the beta targets about 0.5 and that's because we're buying lower risk lower beta stocks. Right. So the portfolio could be net long 70 but we could still carry a beta of 0.5.
1: And you usually carry about how many positions for about what periods of time?
2: So um, we'll carry a couple hundred positions and you know the turnover in the portfolio is in excess of 100% and you know we're looking we rebalance the portfolio once a month and look to enhance through adding stocks that now may fit our screens that uh, didn't last month and also, you know, getting out of positions that may now have moved more into a, to a high beta or higher risk category.
1: Do you ever try to make tactical moves there where you say, you know, we've had a beta of 0.5, we think that it's smarter to move forward with a beta of 0.2 uh, because we don't think the the market's going to be that strong?
2: No, we don't. We we keep it rel- we keep it fairly static and you know our, our it's a quantitative driven model and a quantitative driven process. So so we really don't try to bring in any sort of human intervention that's generally wrong <laughs> in in most cases with people. So we just really rely on our models and we keep things pretty static at point 5.
1: Okay. So, Tom, uh, we need to take a short break here. We'll be right back. And when we come back, uh, let's talk about the other funds that um, 361 Capital offers. Again, we're talking with Tom Florence, president and CEO of 361 Capital. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. And we'll be right back. (music)
0: According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments investing is not rocket science it's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it for podcasts of our interviews please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com all right back to charlie
2: and his guest
1: Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Tom Florence, president and CEO of 361 Capital, and he talks to us from their headquarters in Denver, Colorado. So, uh, Tom, tell us about your other strategies. How many strategies do you have, and uh, describe them briefly for us.
2: Well, we've already, we've already talked about our long, short equity strategies, both domestic and global And we also offer managed futures strategies, Charlie. Uh, When I say strategies, I mean, again, both one that's domestic and one that is global. Uh, In this case, a little different than the previous with our long-short equity, we launched domestic managed futures first and then launched global managed futures second
1: okay now usually when we hear uh, when i talk to people about managed futures they don't usually say that they're global or that they're domestic so i'm usually presuming that they're global because of all the global markets that they work in so are most managed futures programs global
2: they they tend to have global elements and aspects to them ours is very different uh... we have a very different uh... collection of funds here and Ours are different because we are the only counter trend funds in the market. Most funds out there in the managed futures space, as you know, are they're they're trend following and they include equity futures and currencies and commodities and they tend to be based over, you know, investing periods of more, you know, intermediate term. We're only investing in equity futures. And we're in and out of the market on a very short-term basis. When I say short-term, I mean two to three days. And um, so, and I, when I say equities in our domestic, we're invested in the Nasdaq, the Russell, uh, and the S and P 500. And in the global fund, we're invested in, in in eleven markets, which would not only include the U.S. but would also include U- U- uh, Europe, the U.K., and Asia.
1: Well, that is very interesting. Uh, Most uh, in-managed futures are not focused only on equities. So without revealing too much of your secret sauce, what kind of indicators and signals do you use on such a short-term basis that you have found to be productive?
2: Well, we we focus on price and volume as being the key indicators. But really the thesis behind it is being a counter-trend sort of makes sense that when the markets are oversold – Uh, that's when we want to be buying. And when the market's overbought, that's when we want to be selling. So we look for those, our models, again, quantitatively driven, are looking for those inflection points in the market that are are mainly driven by price and volume. Uh, Is the market expensive or is the market cheap? And is volume driving you know, emotion and volatility in the market that may cause it to get too expensive in which we want to sell or, or too cheap in which we want to buy.
1: Well, that's very interesting. Does it give you some anxious moments to look at that one when you're in and out so frequently?
2: Well, you know, uh, it's funny. I say, uh, you know, we're, we're in and out. We, we actually, Charlie, we're in cash in our domestic fund roughly 80% of the time. Oh really? Yeah. So we find these, you know, these short-term, these inflection points that I discussed and I mentioned. You know, they we find them, we identify them, and then we're either long or we're short. Uh, So, you know, they don't come around very often, but when when they do, we certainly take advantage of them. When we're not invested, those two or three days, we're in cash. So, you know, you have a Uh, A fund that, you know, investors like, they feel comfortable with because they're invested uh, in equity futures, something they can understand. The markets, if there's just enormous volatility in the markets going on, more than likely we're going to be in cash. So they're not concerned about, you know, being uh, in in really uh, roiling markets. But they're going to be able to take advantage of uh, markets that are, you know, choppy, overbought, oversold. And that's been the success of the fund. And and believe it or not, we've had a 70% hit ratio. When I say hit ratio, I mean a 70% success uh, on our long trades. So that would mean that for every 10 trades, 7 have worked and 3 have not. That's a pretty good ratio.
1: Uh, that's an excellent ratio in that uh, in that space, especially when you can be very profitable and be under fifty percent uh, ratio. So, uh, congratulations on that. So, uh, only about uh, about what percentage of the time are you long? And what percentage of the time are you short?
2: So, we're we're short. It's a it's a predominantly long fund. So, when we're in the markets and we're long, we're in we're long about. Sixty-five uh, percent of the time, and and short uh, when we're in a trade, about thirty-five
1: percent of the time. Okay, well, very interesting. So keep going, telling us about uh, your different uh, strategies and uh, and funds. We, we've had uh, long short, and we've had managed futures on U.S. and international equities.
2: Yeah, and what's interesting about you know why long short and why managed futures is those are the two largest categories. Of mutual funds being used by advisors today, the two largest strategies, yeah. and we happen to, we happen to offer two flavors, domestic and global. The third, the um, the fifth fund we have is a macro fund, which. Uh, you know, people, when you think of macro, uh, think of kind of go anywhere. I can be invested in gold. I can be invested in equities. I can be invested in, you know, currencies. And so we offer a macro fund, uh, and it has about a two-year track record. And, and you know, we, uh, again, it's quantitatively driven, and we, we use our models here to try and identify the best opportunities uh, to invest in whether they're, you know, currencies, commodities, equities, uh, fixed income, uh, whatever the case may be, and we'll use ETFs to invest in. Uh, we'll invest in individual equities. So that's uh, that's our fifth fund.
1: Well, that is very interesting. You must have some very eclectic portfolio managers on that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, you know, we're fortunate to have uh, the key portfolio manager on that is a gentleman by the name of Blaine Rollins, and he, he writes our weekly research briefing, which is goes out to about 20,000 people uh, every week on Monday, and Blaine was, uh, he was the portfolio manager of the Janus Fund uh, at, at its peak of $50 billion, so he's got a lot of experience and really brings that experience to, to managing that fund.
1: Yeah, well, you're, it sounds like you're, you're fortunate to have them here. So keep going on your funds here, uh, Tom.
2: So that's the five funds that we have. And, and uh, you know, we're going to we're looking to add another fund this year. Uh, that would be, Charlie, be a multi-strategy fund, which is another very popular fund. And that's sort of the one fund fits all for, for investors and advisors that aren't necessarily looking to should I pick a long-short or should I pick a managed futures or should I pick a macro fund? They want sort of one fund that does it all, and that would be the multi-strategy fund. So we plan on offering a multi-strategy fund later this year. And, um, you know, frankly, I think if you look at flows and you look at where the dollars are going, that's been the largest over the last three years Funds fund flows have gone into multi-strategy. And, and it makes sense, and and I, I honestly think uh, – as we continue to expand uh, in the world of alternatives and you get defined contribution plans starting to adopt alternatives, they're going to adopt the one fund solution, that, that multi-strategy fund. So we want to build a track record now and get going. And we certainly have the capabilities here at 361 to do it and do it well.
1: So does 361 Capital, uh, Tom, also offer separately managed accounts for those uh, clients who want that kind of thing, or do you just do the mutual funds?
2: You know, we don't. We just offer man, uh, mutual funds. We've, we've looked at the the separately managed account or SMA business, but with what we do, it's it's hard to uh, do it in an SMA form because you're dealing with futures contracts and things like that. And in the SMA world, you really need to have that one-to-one uh, client relationship. So it would make the paperwork. Uh, very challenging to do.
1: So when you're working with advisors, I'm curious, uh, Tom, uh, what are the primary objections you get from advisors to go into um, alternative investments like like the five that you guys offer?
2: You know, the biggest challenge that we face today, Charlie, is just lack of education. Um, I just don't think that that most advisors really understand the... you know alternatives well enough to where they feel comfortable using them in a client portfolio and there was a um, I'm going to try and dig it up here a recent survey that was done um, for you know based on advisors and they um, some of the key statistics I'll share with you which are actually quite interesting is if you think about uh, advisors in this To their learning, right? And if you look, this is a survey that was done of advisors looking at today, the average advisor uh, today had clients uh, exposed 13% to alternatives, and the survey said by 2018 they were going to have roughly 17%. So you're talking about an increase in allocation from 13 to 17%. I think that's twofold. One get back to your point early on about needing to look for other things that can enhance a portfolio beyond just stocks and bonds. And the other thing is education. They, they're, they're learning more about them every day.
1: Yeah, they are. We, we find that uh, from this show that advisors are learning more and more all the time here. So, Tom, uh, tell us a question we like to ask all of our guests. What keeps you awake at night?
2: What keeps me awake at night? I think, you know, the the, the biggest, uh, when being a CEO of any company, I think we all share the challenge of being kept awake many nights. But um outside of being responsible for uh, 28 employees I think I think about the business and what I think about the business is if alternatives do not uh, continue to grow and play the role that I think most people think they will then that will really challenge 361 to be successful and and what would cause that to happen I think if you if all of a sudden we resume this annual bull market, uh, like Mr. Bogle referenced, that we're not going to be in. (laughs) But let's just say we did. Uh, Why would people need alternatives? They really wouldn't. That's correct,
1: yeah. Yeah. They they, they They don't need them in those My 2013, they didn't need them. They didn't want them. They didn't
2: need them. They didn't need them, didn't want them, and um, so... You know, that that keeps me up at night. Now, do I think that's going to happen? Absolutely not. I think just the opposite is going to happen. I'm in Mr. Bogle's camp. I, I think, uh, you know, I think equity, equity returns are going to be uh, strained and people are going to need alternative ideas, and I think that's what we bring to the table. So that's the biggest thing that keeps me up at night.
1: Okay. And the second question we like to ask is, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners?
2: What book on investing? I think there's some really good books, obviously, out there that, uh, you know, people can can look at. I like and he, he's actually a friend of mine and he wrote The Seven Rules of Wall Street and that's Sam Stovall from Standard & Poor s Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: he, yeah, I've heard at, Sam at speak equities. more than once. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, so Sam wrote a nice book and it's called The Seven Rules of Wall Street and I think it's very simple and easy to, to understand and I think it really gives some good uh, good Heads up or principles as to, you know, how markets function and operate, and uh, also talks about, you know, some some emotions that we all feel and 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 how to get over those emotions and and be uh, an emotionless investor, which they tend to be the ones that are most successful.
1: So, uh, Tom, give us for those who want to know more, provide your website and contact information, will you?
2: Absolutely. Um, so the name of the firm, again, is 361 Capital, and you can find us at 361capital.com, and if you want to reach us by phone, best number to reach us at is 303-224-3900. best way to reach us by 800 would be 866-361-1720.
1: Okay, and then your website uh, that you have provided. So, Tom, uh, give us final words for our listeners here.
2: Final words would be embrace alternatives. Uh, understand them as best you can. Take the time to, to learn uh, Google alternative investments. If I was going to look at one uh, only, I would look at long-short equity first. Uh, I would look at long-short equity because I think it's an excellent equity replacement. In fact, if you go to our website, you're going to see a, a white paper there that was written by our CIO, Chief Investment Officer, Cliff Stanton, called the New Core Allocation, Long-Short Equity. And it talks about th- th- substituting some of your equity, long only, and using long-short equity in, 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 as a replacement. Uh, so that would be my, my thought for the closing thought for the day.
1: Tom, thank you very much. We appreciate it, and we appreciate you coming on here with us, and thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you very much, Charlie, for having me.
1: Again, we've been talking with Tom Florence, President and CEO of 361 Capital out of Denver, Colorado. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd love to have you contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and please go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week. And productive investing.
0: You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at Strategic Investor com. Investing is not rocket science.